Hello, and welcome to the Enlightened Awakening Podcast. A place of honest and authentic conversations. I'm your host, Timmy. And I'm Muriel. And this week and next week as well, actually, we're going to be diving into the topic of forgiveness and why we find it hard to forgive others. Next week, we're going to be diving into why we sometimes find it difficult to forgive ourselves. Oftentimes in relationships, when things happen that ultimately lead us to a situation where we feel hurt or jaded, I think that that's really where anyways in my life that I've seen that unforgiveness can really take root. And so to open up this conversation, Uriel, I wanted to start by asking you, what are some of the things that happen in relationship with others that you find to be the most difficult? That's an excellent question. As much as I would love to narrow it down to one thing, I don't think I can. But one aspect of forgiveness that I struggle with significantly is when any given issue causes me intense, like emotional pain. And that pain oftentimes is caused through the actions of other people or the words of others. It can make it extremely difficult for me to forgive. And in my experience, that comes due to the inability to obtain closure. The inability to obtain closure. That's interesting. When I think back to a couple of situations in my own life where perhaps there was some sort of break in the relationship and yeah, we didn't have an opportunity to sit and talk about it. I think that sometimes those are the things that I tend to ruminate on. So it may not necessarily for myself in situations like that be unforgiveness, but it may be that it just stays on the top of my mind. Where I think that I have a tendency to experience the most difficulty forgiving is in situations where I feel like my trust has been betrayed. And I think that the reason that that's difficult for me is that even if I choose to let go of what happened and I choose to move forward or at least do my best to move forward, the tricky piece around this is that the trust has still been fractured. And so inevitably, there's going to be a change in that relationship. And I think it's I think it's tough because sometimes growing up, I heard this saying, you want to forgive but not forget. But I think that when it comes to betrayal, that unwillingness to forget is ultimately going to feed into an unwillingness to forgive or difficulty forgiving. I think, yeah, like when you think about somebody doing something that feels wrong to another person, especially if there's clear communication around that and there was boundaries that were set. Definitely the break of trust can be extremely difficult to overcome. That's the second aspect of it. Like when it comes to forgiveness for myself as well, that I struggle with significantly. The way I really see it, it's almost like a trifecta for me. So it's the emotional pain experienced through the break, the betrayal of trust in addition to, for me, not being able to have that closure. And I think that that betrayal of trust is like super, uh, super important aspect of it. Because if that person that broke that trust is unable to demonstrate the ability to reestablish that trust, not via their words, but their actions, then it makes it extremely difficult to ever trust that person. And even internally to deter yourself away from thinking that they'll do it again in the future. Yeah. And that's where I think you, you've articulated it really well. It's that wondering of, is this going to happen again? That really lays the groundwork for, at least in my life, the difficulty around moving past that. I think that the 
other thing that is relevant in this conversation around forgiveness and sometimes why we find it difficult to forgive is some of the downsides that come with that. I think we've highlighted one of them already, which is that it fractures relationships and it makes it difficult to move forward. But on a personal level, I think that something that a lot of us probably understand but maybe don't take action on is the fact that it's only we ourselves who suffer when we choose not to forgive others. You've probably heard this same, but I want to bring it up here that holding on to hurt or refusing to forgive somebody is like drinking poison, hoping that the other person is affected by it. And I think that in my life, where this seed of unforgiveness really has strong roots is the fact that I care a lot about things being made right when they go wrong. And that closure piece that you referenced at the beginning of this conversation is really relevant here because all it takes is an acknowledgement that one has done wrong to repair that. But what then happens when the other person refuses to acknowledge that? That for me is where it gets really tough because it's, it, in my mind, it seems very straightforward that if you do something that harms somebody else that it was unintentional or you didn't understand the way that that impacted that person in the moment, when they take that brave step of coming to you to say, hey, I know you probably didn't mean this to be the outcome, but this was the outcome of the way you said something or the action that you took. And they double down on that. I find it to be confusing because especially if it's somebody that you value your relationship with, in my mind, it just makes sense to say, hey, you know what? I'm really sorry about that. And that's where I think this gets even more sticky and how relationships sometimes end. I think I've definitely been through something that could equate to that. What really jumps to me, though, from what you're saying is the fear that we all have of being like vulnerable. And so when somebody... When you're put into a position where you have to forgive somebody, it almost feels as though your vulnerabilities have been exposed to a degree. And the emotional pain that that can be caused by that, depending on how the situation took place, it can make it being vulnerable again with those people far more difficult. And in my life, I've had kind of both sides of it where it takes a lot of vulnerability for somebody to take accountability for their actions and acknowledge that they've hurt somebody and for them to seek forgiveness from a person. But when two individuals aren't capable of being vulnerable together and, and engaging in a vulnerable conversation where both people are trying to acknowledge the feelings and emotions of the other person and try to understand the perspective of the other person, it makes forgiveness extremely difficult. And I think when you put this into the greater scheme of human relationships, that's like a, the very complex sort of area. Because as somebody who's also made mistakes and have had to ask people for forgiveness, there's a lot of shame and embarrassment that comes from that. And so being vulnerable when you feel ashamed or embarrassed can be extremely hard. And on the other end, when you've been vulnerable, and somebody has defied that and broke your trust and caused you emotional pain, it makes it even far more difficult to trust that person to be vulnerable with them again. And so it's almost like a double-edged sword in a way where you really have to know that that person has genuine, like good intentions in that relationship, whatever it might be. Another thing that I wanted to bring here is the five languages of apology. It's kind of like a second half of the five love languages. 
And for anyone who isn't familiar with them, the five languages of apology follow the same type of principle as the five love languages, where we tend to, actually, let me put it like this. We typically try to seek forgiveness from others the same way that we would expect others to seek forgiveness from us. So for example, one of the five languages of apology is expressing remorse, which is your basic, I'm sorry, hey, I did this and I realized that it impacted you in this way and I'm sorry. And for some people that is sufficient, but I don't know about you, Uriel, but for me, my apology language is not expressing remorse. Mine is genuine repentance, which is when the person not only apologizes, but also makes a commitment to change their behavior and to not do it again. For those who haven't heard of the five languages of apology, we'll just go through them now. Number one, expressing regret. Number two, accepting responsibility. Number three, making restitution. Number four, genuinely repenting. And number five, requesting forgiveness. And it's funny because when I first came across this, I was like, isn't expressing remorse and requesting forgiveness kind of the same thing? But when you really think about it, there are some people who just say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But there is something powerful about asking somebody to forgive you. I think that that those two in tandem, I think, are at least in my point of view, a little bit more powerful than just saying, oh, I'm sorry. What about you, Yurio? Out of these five languages of apology, which one do you think you resonate with the most? It's really funny because for a long time, I've been trying to figure this out. And an apology, a genuine apology is very important for me to be able to move forward. Personally, I cannot just align with one of them. And my personal reasoning for it is that they all should go together for an apology to be genuine. And this is just my own personal opinion. Powerful. Okay. And the reason being is that I've tried to implement these apology languages in my life. And I always felt like something was missing. And when I really looked into it and thought about it critically for myself, I found that I need all five components of apology languages for me to feel like an apology is genuine. For the sake of an example, I just think that when you start with expressing regret, it shows acknowledgement, accountability, integrity, and a good moral compass. When you accept responsibility for the actions that you took, it shows critical thinking and the ability to reflect on your own actions. When you identify that you need to make restitution, I think it comes across as a very genuine desire that you care about the relationship and you want to fix it. Genuine repentance. I mean, I think that's pretty self-explanatory, but when somebody has genuinely apologized to us, you feel it. Like it just hits differently internally. And having that genuine repentance, I think it can be extremely important in whether or not an apology feels genuine. And lastly, the request for forgiveness. And I would kind of reframe this differently as to how you are going to make sure that whatever happened doesn't happen again. And I know that that could kind of be seen as making restitution, but it's kind of like a full package for me of knowing, taking accountability. Acknowledging that you've hurt somebody else's feelings, letting them know that you care and you're very sorry for that and you don't want to hurt them, letting them know about a plan that you're going to make sure you put in place so it doesn't happen again. And more importantly, that genuine apology. I think that can go such a long way in rebuilding relationships and rebuilding that trust. 
And you know, that's not an idea I had thought about before, all five of these languages constituting a true apology. And I think that there's a lot to that. And I think that you're right. Probably the most effective apologies are going to incorporate all five, if not just elements of them. I think for me, the reason why I lean towards genuine repentance as my primary apology language, because of course, similarly to the love languages, you have primary and secondary, and depending on what kind of relationship or the nature of the relationship, some languages may be more effective. But I think generally the reason why I gravitate towards genuine repentance is that it doesn't matter if somebody expresses remorse or they accept responsibility and they somehow make restitution and request forgiveness. If they continue doing what they did, to me, that actually seems like an insult. I mean, you might as well have not apologized in the first place if you were not intent on changing your behavior. And so this is a good example of what we always say that actions speak louder than words. But you're entirely right that even if you change your ways, but you don't, for example, request somebody's forgiveness or you don't acknowledge the hurt that you've caused, even changing your ways, they may not be around to see that you are different. And so it is very important to lay that groundwork to ensure that the relationship can remain intact while you are working on changing your own behavior. So yeah, I think you've brought up a really interesting point, man. And I'm glad that you brought this up because I haven't actually considered how important it is to incorporate elements of all five languages in order to be as effective as possible. Yeah, I think because it kind of covers the entire like emotional compass, I guess, if you will, where it just, to me, it, it feels far more genuine. I think a lot of us want to see improvements and change, especially in relationships that we hold dear to our hearts that have caused us emotional pain. I think it's important to also, once again, I kind of have to get back to the vulnerability piece that in a perfect world, we want to acknowledge that you know, we say something and then it just doesn't ever happen again. But unfortunately, that's just not the way it's going to be. I think everybody kind of knows that that's listening, but it's that vulnerability piece that is really, really important, which is why I think when people put in all of those components and acknowledging that they've hurt somebody else, that is like putting themselves in a vulnerable position because it shows genuine reflection of like what they're doing. And I think you always want to surround yourself with people that are capable of taking accountability for what it is that they've done, but also are aware of how their actions have affected somebody else. Because that means that they're able to see beyond themselves and are able to take the perspective of others. And a lot of the time in, in my life, I found that that is the most detrimental part in forgiveness that a lot of people don't necessarily consider. Because even I've made this mistake in my life where I felt like my actions are valid given the choices that I've made. But something that my father has always taught me is that we will always want to act in ways that are good for us, but also are not affecting those around us, especially the people that we love and care for. If somebody that loves us brings up concerns about our actions, it's worth exploring their perspective, even if we disagree with it. Because that is what builds strong relationships, but also it puts us in a vulnerable position where the possibility of being wrong could be there. And that's extremely hard to do. 
Yeah, you rightly said that we, what you were alluding to is grace when you started talking about how we would like to think that this will never happen again, but we do have to be realistic. And I think that that's why the other languages are important to go along with this idea of genuine repentance, because just as surely as it takes time and effort and consistency to change even just ourselves, let alone a relationship and the way that we show up in a relationship. As far as vulnerability goes, when it comes to acknowledging that you have hurt somebody and how your actions, though you may have thought that they were right in the moment, did impact somebody, I think that that's a powerful point. Because for me and the way that I choose to live my life, I, for a very long time, I've had a clear picture of what it is that I believe in. and. I think I've gotten pretty good at living in a way that is consistent with my beliefs. But the older I get, the more I realize that I need to frequently and judiciously look over what it is that I value to ask myself, is this still serving me the way that I expect? I like what your dad says about how we need to ensure that it also isn't impacting others because sometimes I think I'm... I think that that's where I fall short in that, where I just check with myself, is this consistent with the way that I want to act and live my life? And if yes, then I'm like, all right, let me just keep doing what I'm doing. And I think that another element of forgiving others and being able to keep relationships intact is communication. Because if somebody isn't willing to open up and be vulnerable, as you've very well said, And let us know the way that certain things have impacted them, then forgiveness is not even on the table because you're not then given the opportunity to express your remorse and to ask for forgiveness and to make restitution. And I think that there are probably some people who find it very difficult to forgive others because they don't actually initiate those conversations. You can't expect somebody to know that they've done something wrong. I think we've probably all been in relationships or had friendships when we were younger, especially where there will be some sort of disagreement and one party says, well, you should know what you did wrong. Or even better yet, they'll say, if you really loved me or you actually cared about me and understood me and knew me as much as I thought you did, then you would already know why I'm upset. And that may sound like it has merit, but the more you think about it, the more ridiculous it sounds. None of us are mind readers. And if there's an issue, we need to sit down and communicate about it. And I think that it's in that spirit and through those experiences that I came to value communication as much as I did. I tend to lean towards communication being a very important aspect of forgiveness. And I see it as like a two-way thing because communication internally, so communication with yourself and obviously externally, so the expression of whatever it might be, whether you're the recipient of an apology or you're the one that is to provide an apology to somebody else. And I hope that we have, and I'm sure we will have an episode on communication and everything that goes along with it. But I do want to highlight a couple of things about communication that I think a lot of people tend to forget. And the number one is active listening. A lot of the times when we get ourselves into these types of situations, or at least I shouldn't say we, let me rephrase that. What I found in my life when I struggled significantly with this I had a very difficult time being able to detach myself from a situation that somebody was trying to speak to me in regards to maybe when I've made mistakes in the past. 
And when I've practiced active listening, it has allowed me to take the perspective of others when they're communicating that I've hurt them. Secondly, body language. The way that we express and communicate through our body language is actually, I mean, and and it's been proven scientifically, we communicate far more with our body language than we do verbally. And so that's something that we have to be extremely careful with when we're put into these situations, because our body language can also come across as disingenuine. And so we've got to be extremely careful on how we're communicating in all aspects of communication. I did want to bring up a quick point, though, about forgiveness and why I think it's very important and how it's, I encourage myself to forgive, especially if I've not received an apology that meets my apology language. And it's just that when you choose not to forgive people, in many ways, you choose to imprison yourself to resentment. And many times it could be hatred and just generally speaking, a lot of ill feelings. And that can spread from just one person to the entire world. And the greatest gift you can give yourself is to forgive because you free yourself from that resentment. Now, obviously, that's easier said than done, but it's one of the most freeing experiences that you can have is to just let go of that resentment and that pain, especially when you're not able to be given that closure. You give it to yourself. Yeah. What you said about how it traps you is probably the main reason why I wanted to talk about this today. I have noticed in my life that some of the greatest unhappiness and the most bitter feelings I've had are rooted in unforgiveness. What are some of the most effective strategies that you have found in your life, specifically in a situation where the other person has made no attempts at making amends to forgive somebody? after they've wronged you. Yeah, that's been a hard one that I probably didn't learn until genuinely just probably a few years ago. And that's not to say I've perfected it, but I've certainly gotten a lot better at it. And it's just having that internal communication with myself that everybody's human and everybody makes mistakes. But more importantly, reminding myself that my way of thinking and my perception of the world is unique to me. Perhaps people see the world similarly to me, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they see it exactly as I do. And when it comes to relationships, romantic, platonic, professional, and so on, reminding ourselves of our humanity and our uniqueness has allowed me, but more importantly, reminding myself that people have forgiven me and I've built stronger relationships through genuine vulnerability and accountability for who it is that I am in this world and by understanding and exposing myself to the views and perceptions of others. It's educated me not only to not make as many mistakes as I used to make, but to be aware that I'm just a granular aspect of the world. And although I wish in a very selfish way people saw the world the way I see it, I know that that will never happen. And the world is better when I choose to connect with people and to accept them as they are, imperfect humans that are just here to learn. What you said around being the recipient of forgiveness, that's really what helped liberate me from this spirit of holding on to grudges, refusing to forgive. 
I had to acknowledge that there is going to come a day when I wish that somebody would grant me the forgiveness that I'm maybe refusing to grant someone else. There are definitely things in my life that I have done, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, that if that person or if those people continue to hold those things against me, I wouldn't have the quality or quantity of relationships that I have today. And so it's been very important for me to keep that in mind that just as surely as I wish to be forgiven when I genuinely come forward and ask for it, what is required for that to happen is to give that out and to give it out liberally and to give it out even when somebody else doesn't ask for that forgiveness. Because if we choose to withhold that from others, then it's unreasonable for us to expect it to come back to us. I remind myself that I, I cannot be the judge of other people's actions because I'm just as imperfect as the next person. I do want to just mention something really quickly, though, that I found has also helped me with forgiveness and in becoming vulnerable to ask for forgiveness. And it's just about not being self-centered. And in a lot of religious texts, it talks about being of servitude to others. And I think that's such a powerful teaching that we can, I mean, the world needs more of whether you want to see it religiously or not, but we've got to extend a hand to those that whether they need it or don't need it. And it might sound bad when we say they don't need it, but we never, what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is that we never actually know who needs a helping hand. And when you live a life of servitude, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to slave away and be a people's pleaser, not at all. What I'm trying to say is be helpful to everyone around you without being detrimental to yourself and to your well-being. When you choose to be that way, it becomes a lot easier to know that forgiveness is really just another step towards building stronger and more powerful relationships. Because there's absolutely no human being that can perfectly do everything. And I think forgiveness allows us also open up a new door in life that invites failure, not only within ourselves, but within others as a welcoming opportunity for growth. And this is why the golden rule is something that shows up in every religious text, in every religion, whether it's Eastern or Western, that central idea of treating others as we wish to be treated is so, so important. Finding ways to actually live that out has been such a central and incredibly educational piece for me when it came to relationships. But in no place is this more true in my life than when it comes to forgiving others. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, guys. We greatly appreciate the continued support. And as always, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so that you can know as soon as the hottest new episodes drop. We greatly appreciate you guys tuning in every week. And until next time, when we'll be back again with this topic of forgiveness and how it relates to forgiving ourselves. Thank you for listening.